You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about the value of feedback in supervision. This week, we read how to elicit and implement group feedback in Counseling Today 2022. And there were a lot of good points in the article, but the main big points uh, were, first, ask for feedback. Yeah, asking for feedback. That can be hard if you think Mm -hmm. that you're in a situation where you maybe don't want the feedback, but you know that's how you get better. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's the first step, right? If you're asking for it, then you're already somewhat open to getting it. Right. I mean, if you're looking for improvement or you're looking to see if you've made whatever, I can think of lots of different job situations where you have to hit quotas, you know, Mm -hmm. a certain amount of time, or if you're reaching your goals that you hope to reach, Mm -hmm. you need to ask for feedback. Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking about that, are you thinking, well, you did say job roles or jobs. Do you think about getting and asking for feedback in all of the different roles that you play? I think yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm making a funny face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really thinking about yeah. whether that's true or not. But why? Well, and I, I mean, if I named the roles that I think that you and I play on a regular basis, it would be counselor, supervisor. Mm-hmm. So that would mean with our supervisees, with our clients, mm-hmm. office mates, sure, spouses, sure, kids, friends. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of different kinds of feedback potentially. Right. And sometimes it may not even be in certain situations if it's not as professional, you could, the feedback may not be, it's more like a, you're asking for in a social situation for feedback. Mm -hmm. You need to know who you're asking. Like if you're asking for feedback on a work thing, you're not going to ask your kids. Right. You need to know who you're asking, making sure that that's valid. Who you're getting it from. Right. Mm -hmm. I actually have a supervisee that on occasion will ask a colleague that's maybe not as seasoned as she is or she'll ask her husband about a work thing and I'm always like well I mean unless they're in the counseling field they may or may not know right that's not you know Hmm. I'm thinking way off from these (laughs) work-related ways of getting feedback I'm thinking like maybe I have a new outfit right and not everybody likes it but I think I don't care right I wasn't asking for your feedback why did why did you give me that feedback right (laughs) And that maybe the person who's giving me feedback, I'm like, well, that's okay. I don't maybe prefer your sense of style, but so you don't have to prefer mine. Mm -hmm. So you have to maybe ask for feedback from the person or type of person that you really want to get feedback from. Well, and it's okay for it not to be positive, right? Like there's like, you might get feedback you don't necessarily like. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. I mean, that would be the whole Mm -hmm. reason. What are some ways where you ask for feedback? I usually ask follow-up questions. Like if we're talking just like, supervision or client-based, I will say, last week we discussed this. How was that for you? Or last week we ended talking about this. Is that something you want to continue? Like, I'm following up maybe. Uh I think with the clients or supervisees, I would say, how do you feel or what's your reaction to me saying that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I don't ask other people that. That's true. I don't (laughs) ask other people that. I really, really don't. In fact, especially there have been times where I've because I have a teenage daughter, 
She's like, I didn't ask. And I'm like, oops, okay, mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is feed- feedback in and of itself, right? <laughs> right. You offer your feedback and the other person goes, oh, thanks. Right. I wasn't asking. Right. You. Wasn't asking you. Okay, great. What about when we're thinking, so that's how we might ask for feedback for ourselves. But if we're trying to get feedback based on supervision, I mean, we did talk about that, clients yeah. or, or supervisee. But what if we're trying to help a supervisee elicit feedback? Mm-hmm. Do you have any, in the article, they actually talked about some touch points or ways to evaluate mm-hmm. for in order to get feedback. Do you have any ways that you do that specifically in supervision? I do ask my supervisees to, when they're checking in with their couple of different things. One, if they're checking in with their clients about things, to not be afraid or don't let anything hinder you because that is part of your job. Is mm-hmm. most to, You're supposed to be getting feedback from your client. How was that for you? Did it work for you? Did, you know, mm-hmm. And then evaluate what they're saying. Oh, mm-hmm. you were really straightforward and you're not normally like that. Or whatever feedback they give you, evaluate that. Were you intentionally straightforward or were you bothered that day? Like try and mm-hmm. see what's going on. But also, I've asked for feedback from their manager at work Mm -hmm. or ask them to get feedback like, oh, I'd like you to take that to your manager at work because I'd like to know more about that, Mm -hmm. you know, situation or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think that's two ways. But another thing I do a lot with my supervisees is to ask, like, what are you avoiding? Like when you're when you're not wanting to ask for that feedback, like what is it that you're avoiding? Because if you're not comfortable doing it. Helping. I think you're describing helping them to be primed. Right. For asking for feedback, how do you prepare yourself? Mm-hmm. How do you get yourself ready to get the feedback? What are you doing so that the way you ask or who you ask is really truly open ended and you're right. open to receiving the feedback? Right. This discussion makes me think about in the United States, licensing bodies now require that health or mental health facilities do this on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. If you are licensed by the state or the government, you have to have a system of regularly getting feedback from people. I think that sounds really good. I think that right. sounds like a positive step. But I think a whole lot of times it's really perfunctory. Oh, yeah. You do what you're supposed to do. You check the box. Check the box. Mm-hmm. You get your little questionnaire, your little survey completed, right. and you file it away. And so I think that that's, that's kind of our our next point. Right. Um, what do you do with it once you get it? But So focusing on asking for feedback, I want to figure out how to create a way to ask for feedback where it's not just checking the box, okay, I did it. And a lot of those big organizations or bigger organizations, it is an online survey or a piece of paper. Right. Here, read this, answer these questions, and then give us your thoughts. And that's it. (laughs) Well, and they do that because it is a bigger organization. Mainstreamed. Right. They couldn't. It wouldn't be practical to go to each person and have a long conversation. You just couldn't do do that. But I think then what you do with it after you've gotten it or how you ask for it, even thinking about if you do, if you are at a place that's big enough that, yep, we have it on an iPad. Right. And somebody, you know, you get the iPad and you just fill it out that in some way there's a follow up to that or even that is the iPad user friendly? Is that something that people can use effectively? I mean, so are we asking in a way that actually makes it easy for people to give us what we're looking for? Right. More feedback. That's actually a really good point. Are we asking the right way? Mm -hmm. Not just what we're saying, but Mm -hmm. are we asking in a way that elicits the response? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes supervisees feel that way that. If they did have an issue or a concern, 
when we ask, do do they feel like they could really give us the answer? Mm -hmm. So maybe sometimes I think then there's some value in having one of those surveys or that it is a little bit anonymous. So somebody Mm -hmm. could put down something. Well, and it is intended to take the emotionality out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So if someone's disgruntled about something or something's upset in their form you're filling out, you could still say some negative things, but it takes the for the reader and for the person, it can take the emotional push out Uh of it. But that is the point. What about here where we're at? When you go to a continuing education right. um, <laughs> uh, event, at the end, they they are required here mm-hmm. to give you an evaluation form. So you're both evaluating what's been offered and the presenter. Do you ever give really honest feedback or are you quick and you just check the boxes and say, good, thank you? You know, I'll be honest with you. If I've really enjoyed the seminar, I'm more likely to say, Wow, that was really great. You taught me something today about blah, blah, blah. Like, I am more inclined to give that positive, mm-hmm. like, if I really enjoyed it. Now, for me to say something negative, you've got to be really bad. Have I done it? Yes. But it's got to be so far off that I'm like, your research is from 20 years ago. This is not current. Like, it has to be something yeah. that, like, really yeah, hit me the wrong way mm-hmm. for me to give. Hmm. I always think when I do that, a whole lot of times I'm in a, I'm attending a continuing education event that I know the people who are yeah. hosting it or presenting, <laughs> not just needlessly. Right. I, I, I think I try to give poignant feedback, but I, oh, I almost always give some feedback. That I, And when I'm writing it, I always think they're thinking, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Sarah's, th- this one's I know from the Sarah. And like, <laughs> but yeah, I would do the same. If it's like... Right. All of it came from a 20-year-old journal article. Right. Like, why are we talking about Especially that? depending on the topic. What if right. it's like a 20-year-old journal article about social justice? Right. You're like, that doesn't even... Yeah. yeah. So much has changed in the last two years mm-hmm. related to that topic. If you're right. using a 40-year-old right. article, it's totally outdated at this right. point. Okay. So asking for feedback. Now, the second point is getting feedback. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I was saying about... I think, to me, that is isn't just asking for it. It means, what do you do with it when you've got it? Right. So do you just go, oh, let's tuck that away in our file of pieces of paper that we were required to get? Right. We had to have this and know right. what. So you're getting it and what do you do with it? Or what do you, how do you? I mean, I think it? one thing that's important is to look for patterns, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you've been told something about either your presentation style or your therapy style, or maybe just people have made the same kind of comment lately, mm-hmm. well, there's one common denominator, and that is you. So <laughs> that's important to pay attention to. Yeah. And I like my interns to be aware of that. If they've had more than one person tell them, like, oh, you were really short with me, or you you were very straightforward, and is that where they're intending to be? Yeah. You know, that's a good thing. Well, so this also makes me think, right now, so far we've talked a lot about getting feedback in a direct way. Right. But how often are we getting feedback in an indirect way. Mm-hmm. At first I was thinking, yeah, I get course evaluations and right. I do think that way. I think, well, out of 15 people, one person said Sarah's a butthead. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, look with that. Yeah, yeah. everybody. <laughs> and then 14 more people said Sarah's not a butthead. Right. So we're okay. okay. <laughs> that sometimes the feedback we get might not be direct or verbal. Example of feedback that I pointed out to a supervisee a while ago was, that she actually brought this up and wasn't creating a pattern out of it. But I pointed, I I reflected back to her that she told me she thought about 80 to 85% of her clients 
saw her one time and never came back. Oh, that that would definitely be a problem. And I went, I feel that's an awfully big number. Right. And so she was pointing that out as a pattern, but she didn't have the context. Right. I mean, she, she didn't know what. Pretty new counsel- well, she was a new counselor. Mm-hmm. So she actually said it with the assumption that that's what happened for all counselors. Right. But how and, often do I get the new client that just never comes back? Right. And normal. But when I said to her, right, was... I mean, wow, I know that I don't, I'm not seeing as many new clients as you are right now because she was trying to build the number of clients she had. But I said, I don't think I've had anyone show up for a first appointment and then completely not communicate after that. Right. In maybe a year or more. Right. I don't, I think it's very, very far and few between. And so what could that mean if this is Mm -hmm. happening 80 to 85% of the time? That was hard feedback for her to think right. about. But I think it was nonverbal feedback from mm-hmm. all of those clients. Mm-hmm. I turned it into verbal by right. asking by a question. Yeah. But that all of those people who were coming and not coming back, it's hard because then you don't know what to do with that feedback. Mm-hmm. But the feedback was something about the first session or the office or something Isn't right. wasn't working well mm-hmm. for all those people. That's a great example. Can you think of other ways that we get feedback where it's not always elicited we don't ask for it but and not that we're not asking for it but we're getting that feedback in a way that's not completely clear this is a little more specific but i think body language Mm -hmm. tells a lot and i think we see that of course with our clients with how they come in or how they sit down or how they even sit right Mm -hmm. and i don't make it a rule but generally speaking my supervisees come in dressed for work they're ready to go to work or seeing clients that Mm -hmm. day and on occasion, I know they see me in their off day and I don't, mm-hmm. there's no, I'm not, I'm honestly not passing judgment, but I have had a supervisee before that came in every single time. Like, oh, I don't know that they were all pajama pants, but like pajama pants, hair in a bun, just totally disheveled. And I was like, what is this reflecting? Like, right. what are you, you know? That is a very good point. I don't know that I've ever had to talk to a supervisee about that. But as you were describing that, I thought in my head, I'm picturing somebody going to a college class. Right. Exactly. And if they're a new, new, yep. new, new supervisee, <laughs> maybe last week they were going to college right. classes. Right. And also, that's what they wear in their off time. They only dress up for work. And if they're not seeing clients today, why are they dressed up? Yeah. You know, like that's in there. Right. But, or maybe they have yet to see a client. They're right. going. Mm-hmm. Maybe they haven't been given that guidance right. as to what to wear right. in front of clients. Right. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. Hmm. So I think that that is a way that we get feedback that we're not necessarily expecting it, right? Mm -hmm. We're not necessarily aware of it. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking even around the office thing, like setting a precedent in your office for what you can do in this space, what you can't do in this space, that that is often... I think most often nonverbal or mm-hmm. non-direct, but it is feedback. Right. If someone came in to the waiting area and they were very loud mm-hmm. or they were doing something that felt disruptive to the other people that share that space, right. 
that most people would pick up on that and maybe stop. Right. Not everybody. Right. I actually, I had a client recently that was having a moment and very frustrated and was very loud in the waiting room. And I was actually in between clients, but I went out and said, I'll be with you in just a minute, but we need to be respectful. There's other people here seeing counselors. And it was a teenager and she was very like, oh, like mm-hmm. she was just on her phone and, you know, having her moment. But I was like, the whole place can yeah. hear your conversation. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes the way that we get the feedback is very direct and obvious. Sometimes it's indirect. And in both ways, we have to decide how we make use of it, right. what we do with it. We could file it away and not look at it. And we technically have gotten feedback, and, right. but, but did we do anything with it. Right. That brings us to the last step, implementing feedback. How do you do that? You ask for it once you've got it, and then you're going to turn around and do something with right. it. And it can be tricky because that means change. Mm-hmm. And not everyone's great at change. And depending on what the feedback is, mm-hmm. it could be really tricky to change. Like, how are you going to address a situation where someone is unhappy with something that's out of your control, mm-hmm. you know, in an office setting or in a, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this makes me think of a client I had a handful of years ago, and I did not ask for the feedback. But she gave me <laughs> feedback. She was in a group that I was facilitating, and I saw her individually, but she was also a member of this group that I led. Okay. And I really enjoyed her. Mm -hmm. She came into group one day and she was just a tiny bit late, less than a minute. But everybody else was already sitting and she came in and she was just so full of energy and she just Mm -hmm. bright and chatty and friendly that day and came in and sat down. And because she was just so energetic, I I said something to the effect of, you are so silly. Come sit down. Come, Come join us. And as soon as I said that, everything about her body language changed oh, dramatically. Okay. Like a light switch. Like, like something there. Yeah, right. like a light switch. So I went, whoa, mm-hmm. what just happened? Are you okay? And I mean, her communication, her verbal communication totally shut down. Yes, fine. She sat down. She looked at the table. It was like her bright, excited energy was not there anymore at all. And so I was I didn't want to ignore it. So th- at that point, I then did start going, mm-hmm. well, wh- I don't understand what happened. Are you OK? I actually it was so dramatic. I thought sh- there was something physically wrong. Oh, yeah. Like, are you going to be sick? What's yeah, happening? Right, yeah. 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 It took a long time. Finally, she says it that when her dad is being really angry and, and be- then becomes mean with her, mm-hmm. he would call her silly. Oh, so is it direct? And I went, oh, mm hmm. Well, and I did, exp- I went, when I said silly, I meant it in an endearing way. Right. Because I thought you were being like fun and cute and, and right, sweet. Right. Yeah. It, so, but if that means something different to you, I will make a point of not doing that again. Right. I will not use that word. And I'm sorry. So that was my implementing mm-hmm. it that I went. Right. And I did. I think that it made me realize, I think I use that word more often than. I recognize mm-hmm. silly. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I made a point like, nope, I am not going to change that word. Right. right. I had to be thoughtful about implementing that. Right. But in that circumstance, I decided I am going to implement right. that. I need to do this change. for the benefit of this client. Mm-hmm. Yes. What if implementing it doesn't mean changing what you're doing? Okay. Like it just means. But what if you acknowledge, maybe somebody comes in and, and to your op- this person right. who was in your office and you say, hey, we're in the office, we're a little quieter, respecting mm-hmm. other people while they're here. And that person says no. Right. 
I mean, so, so they like, did get the feedback. Right, they got they the feedback, did, but they're choosing but they not to change. Not right. To, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that could be true for us, too, yes. as a counselor that right. or a supervisee, supervisor, that we get feedback, we consider it, we think about implementing it, and we choose not to implement it the way mm-hmm. they're wanting. Yeah, could easily happen. Mm-hmm. I have a supervisee that was up for a job shift. It was going to be a little bit more money, not quite a promotion, kind of a kind of a sideways move, mm-hmm. but good opportunities to learn some new skills and things like that. And she was given great feedback about her skills and her interventions and all different things. And the company thought it was an absolute go. They'd given her, built her up and told her how great she was. And then they came with the full offer. And it wasn't just about the money. It was about the hours they wanted her to work. Mm -hmm. She went, no, 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 no. That's ridiculous. Like, (laughs) that's nearly impossible. Like, your baseline for our hours without doing any documentation is 43 hours. How? Yeah. How? No, I don't want to do that. And really, she's more comfortable working about 30 hours a week anyway. Mm -hmm. But the 43 or whatever she had calculated was way above where she was at. So she went, "Uh uh-uh, can't do that. And they really, really pushed and pursued. Well, why not? Well, we're going to give you documentation time. We're going to do like, Company came back with all of these, like, mm-hmm. softening it, making it better. And she just kind of held her ground. And now she's at a point where, like, well, I held my ground and they aren't budging either. So now it's this weird spot. And I still work for the company in a different role. I'm like, what am uh-huh. I, you know, like, yeah. I'm stuck. So maybe like, you come to an impasse. So right. maybe that's another side of that we hadn't really said. So maybe you get the feedback and you consider it and you decide to make the change that they're asking for. Right. You get it. You consider it and you decide not to make the change that they're looking for. Right. And or you get it and you're thinking about it and you and it's not clear. Right. It's kind whether of whether to do it or right. not to do it. You're on the tightrope trying to decide which mm-hmm. way is better. Mm-hmm. I mean, thinking about that and thinking about how I deal with my supervisees related to feedback, I think I try to be as clear as I can mm-hmm. to give them a window into my thought process. Right. And I, it seems like I might do that, too, with a job, that if mm, this is a sticking point or this is hard, right. then it might still be something that right. we at least communicate. I, to say nothing means not giving them anything right. about <laughs> what they're asking. Right. So like the teenager who I said was silly, if I if she had explained to me and I had just been kind of like emotionless, no right. facial expression, we or, would have been at an impasse. I don't right. know. She, right. I wouldn't have done anything. She wouldn't have mm-hmm. known what to do. So to keep communicating about what that yep. process is. Kind of a waiting period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't, I'm thinking uh, and I'm blanking on what philosopher it is. It's some, somebody existential that in not deciding, you're deciding. Oh, yeah. I don't remember who that is, but that is, yes, mm-hmm. by not deciding, you are deciding. So that fits with implementing. Right. Either you're going to implement it or you're not, or you're going to think about it. But at some point, by not doing something, right. you've made a decision. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, you're communicating that too, but I think think after thinking about this and talking this through that my thought about feedback and supervisees or or clients is that the best example that I want to give is to be clear. Right. And so then to keep the communication open, it would be my goal. Yeah. And I think often doing that and having phrases like, let me tell you my thought process or Mm -hmm. let me tell you why I think that or my experience has been this. And that way you're also giving the why. Often people are more likely to Mm -hmm. kind of understand the reasoning if they know the why. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate and leave a review. 
Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more supervision with a vision.